Quite a few of you listened in to the first two parts of the homeless meeting held at the Ag Trade Center in Colville. Here is part three. It is the final hour and a half. It was a meeting where everyone, pro and con, if you had a comment to make, you were invited and given the opportunity to make your statement. Here's part three, the final installment of the homeless meeting held in Colville. Court. So if it rains and it... Why can't the cops do anything? Hi everyone, my name is Chris Montgomery. I'm an attorney here in... Right here in this room, just outside of this room, we can take back our city because it's ours. I'm... It's tough these days, isn't it? It's really tough. I see people that come into my motel. They're getting paid. Um, those... I don't ever see any problems going out there. It's not trashy. It's not messy. And the place is well taken care of. The problem is there's just not enough beds. Uh, Cruz is who runs that. When there's a problem down there, he goes down there and kicks their butt. That's the kind of people with consequences, okay, that we want running these types of places. So uh, as we go, the warming shelter, I believe, is important. But we keep getting this excess amount of money. So what I truly believe is we may not have the budget to spend $400,000 a year, we're going to be out of the money, we're going to be broke. I can do that math, right? But I do believe there is some money there to do something, and that's what we're going to be asking you for is, hey, I, I know you are fiscally responsible gentlemen in the commissioner's office. That's what you're known for, right? That, that's your job. Thank you. I appreciate that. But I do think that we need to use – this money is a tool. It is a resource for us to dip into, and we need to look at the best uses of that money. So you can see the chart at the bottom. Over time, we've had a little more increases to our imbalance, and um, our expenditures uh, do show a rising trend. So if our recording fees go down, um, that account is not going to continue to grow. I also think that due to public perception, the commissioners are a little bit timid – to reach into that fund again. I'm here to tell you, Mr. Commissioners, there's nobody in this room going to get mad if you spend some of that money on the homeless, okay? Nobody going to get mad. We want you to help fix the problem, okay? I mean that. I truly mean it. All right, so uh, I want to switch gears now and introduce to you somebody who, in the community, he has dedicated his life to helping people, okay? Um, you may feel that he is an enabler, but there's nobody that does more for homeless in the town of Colville than Dr. Barry Bacon. So, Dr. Bacon... If you please come take the floor and tell us a little bit about what you do. And I'm sorry, I let everybody in front of you go 12 minutes. I'm going to start enforcing the five-minute timer. Thanks, everybody, for coming this evening. It's good to see our leaders here. Appreciate it. So I came here in 1990, and I've been working as a family doctor for the last 31 years raised my family here, and that means I'm a newcomer. Still a new kid on the block in Stevens County. I want to say, make three statements, and then I want to tell a story. And then I think I'll be done. Um, the first statement is, we have never bused anyone to Stevens County or Colville. Hope Street has never done that. So if you could take that story and put it where it belongs, I would appreciate it. The second is that we have never handed out flyers in Seattle advertising Hope Street. 
please take that and put it in the same location. The third is we have never put up billboards in Seattle. I've heard all of those advertising Hope Street and bringing people here. Why would we do that? That doesn't make any sense. We would never do that to our community. Um, I want to tell you a story. A young preacher told a story about a man who fell among thieves and was thrown to the side of the road, and he was left there to die. And a religious person, according to this preacher, walked by on the other side and then realized that maybe he was a Democrat and decided to keep going. <laughs> and then a second religious person came by and realized, oh, maybe that's a homeless person. Probably should get a job. And kept going. The third person came by and he realized that the man was dying. And he went over to help this man. And he bandaged, he had compassion on him. He bandaged his wounds. He took his coat and wrapped him up. And he took him to a hotel, probably Benny's. And he uh, <coughs> took care of him. And he fed him. And he gave him water. And then when he had to leave because he had business elsewhere, he said, would you take care of him for me? And when I come back, I'll make this right. The preacher asked the question, which of these three did the righteous thing? Everybody in the audience knew what the right answer was. Every single person. The other night there was a young lady that was knocking on Hope Street's door. She wasn't elsewhere, she came to Hope Street. And there she was. She was somebody's daughter. And one of our team members happened to drive by and she realized this lady was kind of out of her head. Can't always tell if a person's on it drugs, or maybe if they're suffering from mental illness. They almost look the same sometimes. But it didn't matter to our team member. This was an opportunity to show compassion. So she opened the door, and she helped this person to, to clean themselves because she realized that she had human excrement running down the back of her legs. So she took her inside. She helped her to wash. She talked her down using some techniques that she had learned. She wrapped her in clean clothing. And she gave her some food, and she gave her some water, and helped her get back to her place, which is the back of a truck. Over the course of the next three weeks, she continued to check on her, connect her to services, bring people to help her, and uh, realized that she was sick and she needed medical help. Took her up to the hospital, got some medical help, got some medicine, connected to other facilities, ended up in a hotel um, where she was cared for. Um, my folks up at uh, Heartland Medicine got involved. They heard that story as well of somebody that they happened to know. So they went and visited her, got her a care package, and took care of her. The reason it's important to us is because this is someone's daughter. Could be anyone's daughter. But it doesn't matter to us. The people, I am so proud of the people that I work with, the team that I work with, for the way that they respond with compassion. And as I, listen, as I go to our board meetings and I listen to them talk about what they do and tell the stories of people who are success stories and they are there. There are people who are moving their lives forward as a result of the intervention of Hope Street. And as a re we, don't, we don't allow addiction to happen there. We don't allow people to use drugs. We're accountable and we keep trying to move them in the right direction. Um, every day. That's our goal, is to try to move them, move somebody in the right direction. Ask them what they want to work on. And have we kicked people out of Hope Street? Absolutely. We are accountable. You'll notice that Hope Street is not on the list of recipients of money from the county commissioners. 
We've never been on it. Yet. We don't get any money from them. But we, uh, we applaud those who are working for homelessness. We invite every other agency that is like-minded to come and work. We think it needs to happen under one roof. We need to stop working in silos. We need to come together. And if you want to think about some solutions, which we think that we, there are solutions out there, um, we think those solutions should be things like this. Bring every agency together. You heard that in the homeless plan. doesn't happen very well. If you, have, if you look at the homeless plan from 2012, you'll realize that homelessness happened, was here uh, well before Hope Street was invented, before it got started. We did not cause homelessness. We just think there are better solutions. And we're trying to end homelessness as well. When homelessness is ended, we will happily close the doors of Hope Street and we will walk away. Because that's what the homeless plan for Stevens County says they're about, is ending homelessness. We would like to see the investment of money in, uh, in people because that $1.4 million represents people's lives. My wife and I, bless her heart, decided to start a business this year, hiring homeless people, creating, taking rundown homes that are not worth, that not fit to live in, and making them beautiful. And we're not ending homelessness with that project, but we're giving them jobs because they're human beings who deserve that. They deserve a chance. It's important to us. So we need home, we need additional housing in five years. RJ, uh, when R.J. Keats was the, the uh, city uh, planner, thank you, Mr. Mayor, um, there were five, my understanding is about five homes that were built during that time and six that were demolished. So we're not making progress when it comes to housing. We need to make progress with housing. There are some, it's, it's one of the major issues. And uh, if, you, if you're a homeless person, how are you going to compete when there's no housing to be had? You know, you can't do it. So there are countless people who have stepped up and volunteered their time, and they have come unsolicited and stood with us. So we thank you, all of you who have come and, and contributed to making life a little more bearable for homeless folks. Thank you. I make no apologies for the way I live my life. I will stand with the righteous people, and I will do the right thing. So join us. Thank you. Dr. Bagpitten, three questions. Yep. Hey, look at that. It's applause. How are you funded? If you're not getting money from commissioners or state, how do you get money? Um, we, we've scrambled together to, to get some grants from various organizations. Um, there are people who have stepped up. Walmart has given money. Um, Lady Elks from Kettle Falls has stepped up. Churches have stepped up. Other people that believe in what we're doing have come forward. Um, we created a clinic up here, Heartland Medicine funds at, to the tune of about $10,000 every quarter. We believe in it. We're investing in our community in a multi multiple ways by trying to bless our community by creating a place where people without insurance can come and be a member there, where prices are more reasonable, um, where they can uh, find good health, good care, but we also, part of our mission is to give, pay it forward to our community, and that includes Hope Street. 
two more questions. Um, say that the city sanctioned a homeless camp, trying to get around this Martin versus Boise and clean up our streets. Yeah. Would Hope Street provide outreach services at that city sanctioned location? Uh, we already do, and we we'll continue to do so. Yes. So you go to the homeless? Yes, we do. We have an outreach program, and that's our director that heads that. All right. Well, let's introduce her, Dr. Bacon. Thank you very much. We appreciate your service. Is Miss Teresa Teresa Lang in the building? thing for me just to let you know. So my name is Teresa Lang and I'm the director of Hope Street. I'm a recovering addict of 19 years. I've been through lots of trauma. I've been in and out of hospitals, um, rehab. I've been homeless two years ago after COVID. I ended up going to live with an ex-boyfriend and it didn't work out there and I ended up living in my car. Um, I was then working at New Alliance and staying at Andy's joint. Um, I was a good, I was a good person over there though. So, you know, what I'm here for is not, my job isn't about a status. Those people, those homeless people are people. I care about them to no end. I meet them where they are, connection is huge. I will go out during the weekends. Um, I have six wonderful volunteers. Hold on, I'm nervous. Um, so on the weekends, we have volunteers. There's a couple of us that go out. We know where everyone is staying, everyone is sleeping. Um, I'll fill up my car with water coats, depending on the weather, blankets, anything, and I'll go find them. I know where they live, I know where they sleep, I know what they need, I know their personalities, I know their mental illnesses. And, you know, being diagnosed with mental illness in my life, um, that is kind of where this all comes to, I believe, is trauma, and the mental health system is broken. Um... I don't want to blame anybody here. Every time I call upon the police, the law enforcement, they come to me. They do, but they can't do anything about it. They sit there, they talk through stuff. Um, I've called on DCRs. I've, um, I have housing that comes down. I have um, job support that comes down. Um, Rural Resources, Sarah, Cruz. But you know what I really want? Is I want us to work together as a community. This pisses me off, this hurts my heart to see that people that are just acted like they're, they're nobody because they are somebody. They're our mom, they're our sister, they're our dad, they're our uncle. They're, they are human beings, and we look at them like those people. Yeah, yeah, what do you think this does when we have trauma and it's not being taken care of with mental, our mental health, our medication, connection, saying, I believe in you, 
saying that you ha you have value, you have worth. It's not just another kick in the dirt. It's not. Like, why can't we come together as a community and help each other? I know it's about dollars and money, but you know what? What would Jesus do? Huh? What would he do? What we need to do is come together. I will do anything. I am determined. I have motivation. I have the energy. I have ideas. And I will go, and I will go, and I will go. I didn't get this job just so I can help people. I got this job so people can know that they have worth and value and that they are worth it. So let's get together and be a community and, and help others like you and you and you. Because you all matter. Thank you. Give her a round of applause. Teresa, I love your spunk. You are the perfect person for that job. So I'll tell you a little something. Teresa won't tell you about herself. That She's little, right? Y'all see that. Okay, she kicks people's butts day in and day out, uh, whatever it takes. She speaks softly, but she carries a big stick. So before I get to the next speaker, let's pick out somebody here of the homeless population. Torch. Where's Torch? Go get her. Come on. So look, I'm trying to tell a story. I apologize if I didn't call you in the right order. I'll throw you on the list. I promise you'll be next. Okay. So Adrian, I want you to go stand at that podium. This is the citizens of Colville and Stevens County. They are concerned about the homeless. They're concerned about your welfare. They're concerned about where you put your trash. They're concerned about where you're pooping. Okay. So I want you to get up here and tell them your real life story, the dirty parts, the ugly parts, all of it. So get up there and tell them where you poop. I just want you to know homelessness is real. I've watched it. So I'm Adrian Hansen. Most people who know me know me as Ari or Torch. My family is actually back there. And all of us are currently homeless. My son-in-law, myself, numerous others that I know of, we're all looking for jobs. I lost my daughter back in June, lost my job a week later, lost my place to live less than a month after that. Been looking ever since. My car is currently, yes, not tabbed. Unfortunately, I just got it. I'm tabbing it on the first. I agree with you guys. Homelessness is not okay. None of us are doing okay. My daughter is fighting a case for her son. My other daughter is currently waiting for her boyfriend to get out of jail. And she's more of a sister-in-law because that's my brother. We are all trying to stay clean, trying to clean up the streets where we can. Like, dude, Corey donated a trailer to haul out all the trash. Everyone that was along that line will tell you. I knocked on all the doors. Told them to get the butts up. It's time to clean. It's not okay. We should not live like this. We clean up our trash. We bag it up. We go to your parks. Garbage cans along the street. 
drop off a bag at a time. I've got a friend coming up, I think next week, to try and help prepare at least one of the trailers. We deal with guys not exactly being gentlemen. We deal with theft amongst each other. We deal with drama. We go through most of the same things that you guys do. Yeah, we don't have a stable house, but we go to like 76, Chevron, it's open 24-7, grocery outlet, Walmart, wherever has a bathroom when we can't. When we can't, we try to find somewhere that there is an open bathroom. Like I walk all the way to Chevron from where we used to be camped. None of us females walk alone, ever. Myself included, including my child, have been molested by fellow homeless. I've gotten on a lot of their cases. Dude, if it's not your property, don't touch it. If it's garbage on the street, pick it up. It's our community too. Yeah, we may not be people you guys really want to associate with or you want to see, because we're not doing the best. We're not in houses and we don't have most luxuries like showers, food every day. We worry about where our next meal's coming from. We worry about our pets. I currently have three dogs. One of which is being trained for a service dog for somebody else. I think it's responsible and great life for that dog. We struggle daily. Hell, me and Sasha, the other one in white, have bawled our eyes out to each other about how done we are. How about how we just want to give up. I'm nine months clean off methamphetamines and years upon years clean off of heroin. And I looked at her just the other day, bawling my eyes out saying, dude, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. I don't care. I, I just want to go relapse. She looked at me and went, why? I have an 11 year old daughter that I wouldn't want to see out here. My mom worries every day about if I'm okay, if I'm safe, where my next meal is coming from. Hold on. It's not easy. But I guarantee you, if and when the economy fails, web goes down and everything else, and everybody else doesn't know what to do, we will. We will. Nobody else will, but we will. Because we live it, day in and day out. Yeah, it's not easy, and yeah, there's a lot of resources that could be put up or whatever. Like, Portland's got uh, their porta-potties everywhere that have a blue light so that junkies can't shoot up. Spokane has UGM and a couple other shelters, which honestly for the women get full very quickly. I'm still on a waiting list for two different shelters. Still haven't gotten a call. I still got hundreds ahead of me. My daughter is on a waiting list for housing. It doesn't help us right now. Yeah, there's a lot that we could do differently. And some of us do choose this life. Some do. Not all of us. Not all of us are the same. Like, I come from an abusive past. I'm running from domestic violence. Others are running from themselves, honestly, and don't know where to go. And as weird as it might sound, yeah, rural resources and Hope Street and I think New Alliance have therapists and everything, but most of those therapists haven't been through half of what we have been. 
And unless you've been through it, you can't really relate to it. You can't. I mean, before I was ever homeless, my parents used to downlook on anyone that was following a sign. I'll now tell my kids, my friends, anybody else who's homeless, screw asking for money. Screw people in their money. Fly a sign saying we'll work for food. We'll work for blankets, whatever we need. Like, none of us knew that there was a winter storm coming up. I definitely didn't. Sasha, did you? We're not prepared whatsoever. We have one trailer that's not livable that we're trying to clean up. We have her trailer that's falling apart. No offense, it is. And we've got me in my car with a split gas line. None of us are ready for this. None of us want to be in this position. Like, as is, I'm going to Spokane for food banks. I mean, yeah, you guys have, I think, one or two here. But that doesn't really do much. I can go to Spokane in one day and hit three different food banks and feed every trailer and car that was along Washington for almost a week, if done right. It doesn't take much. It really doesn't. I mean, we're willing to put in the work to work off a piece of land or whatever. The city's willing to donate, like even a field at this point. We're willing to do whatever we gotta We just want someplace safe to lay our heads where we don't have to worry about, for example, my passenger window getting shattered out or their trailer being shattered out. Corey moved us to where we currently are. I'm sure Corey remembers moving day. <laughs> it was a blast. Not really. It's so disorganized. But we made it happen. The next morning, we woke up to community members who owns houses just like you guys do, threatening us, telling us that we're nothing but drug addicts. I don't know about anybody else who's ever been in recovery. Like, I'm pretty sure you're proud of your time, right? I'm proud of my 10 months, sorry, 10 months sober. I'm proud of Sasha's four months. Yeah, it's not much, but it's better than not sober at all. And it's a fight. What's up? What's I can't imagine that's easy to get up there and tell people about your failures, right? To admit how bad things are. But I'm going to ask some of the questions that people have asked, and I'm going to ask some of the ones that I know they're thinking. And I apologize that I'm asking bold questions, but I just want to get bold answers. We're looking for bold action, Check okay? Out, Corey, I'll tell you the same thing that I told my family, and every one of the five of them that I know of that are here can tell you the same thing. I told them, don't worry about getting up and speaking. I'll be our voice. Well, you know, I reached out to you. I, I've bonded a little bit with you over the last four weeks, I would say. Um, I went from trying to harass the homeless to trying to get to know them a little bit and finding a solution. Along the way, I found out they were people. And uh, I liked Adrian because Adrian is a natural leader. She is the leader of the group. And I'll be honest, I don't love this group, okay? But she's a natural leader. And when I said, hey, we're going to have a moving day and we're going to clean up and this is what we're going to do. She did what she was supposed to do. So, Adrian, if there was a city-sponsored camp somewhere, are you, as an inhabitant of that, going to help make sure it stays clean? Because if it looks like it did on Skid Row, nobody's going to like it. So, shout out, Corey. When I met you, 
I had been there for maybe three weeks total. And by end of the first day, dude, I'd had enough of the trash. I was already trying to figure out how to get it out of there. You showing up with the trailer was fucking phenomenal. Pardon my language. Was phenomenal. Keep it real. And I greatly appreciate it. We all do. Couple questions for you. What would help you move forward? People being willing to hire people who can't put an address down on an application. Okay, next question. When is the last time that you applied for a job? Just this afternoon. Where was that, if you don't mind telling us? Walmart, McDonald's, Zips. Uh, you went to all those places today? Walmart, McDonald's, and Zips are all online. So is North 40. Unfortunately, most of the applications nowadays are online. Raise your hand if you are either personally hiring at your business or the business where you work is currently hiring. Okay, and keep your hand in the air if you're hiring at least five positions. Okay, is anybody hiring 70 people? Where's Walmart? They've got 70 open positions, okay? It's true. So next question for you there, Torch. What, what is your stumbling block? What is right now keeping you from getting out? Probably the fact that I care way too much. I've known Sasha. Don't shake your head at me. I saw that. I've known Sasha and her other half since they were kids. I've known a couple others since they were kids. I pretty much raised them. And I was a kid myself. Honestly, the fact that most of us have lost not in just ourselves, but in the community that we live in. We hear there's street trash, there's thieves, there's drug addicts. We hear all this negative stuff that's said about us, but nobody sees us when we're out and about in the middle of the night and we can't sleep because we've got insomnia or our minds won't shut up. Picking up trash or cleaning up the parks or cleaning up dirty needles from other people and risking being stabbed. Like, I've gotten stabbed with God only knows how many years needles over the years. This isn't the first town I've been homeless in. What, I like it to be the last town I'm homeless in? Heck yeah, because then I won't be homeless anymore. I love the community, I love Colville's mindset. But like I said, even the homeless, though you don't want to see us, we're still part of the community. Any landlords in the room with a house for rent? Anybody? Heck, even a plot of... Okay, land. hang on a second. Mr. Carpenter, an expert in low-income housing, uh, you have a rental available right now? When will the first one of those be available? Before you answer his question, you need any help with that? Like, hey, hey, everybody I, you know what? Real. I got a deal for you. No, seriously. Tom, I, I want a little bit of a discount. I am a car dealer, okay? But I'll make a deal with you, Adrian. I think that this room is interested in you and what you're going to do with your life. So I'll make you a deal tonight. If Tom will rent you one of his houses, I will personally pay your rent for the next six months. But wait, hang on. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. You got to let me come see you every week. I'm going to look inside your house. I want to I want to be send some people that are life coaches to help you. I want to see if you give the ultimate handout, could that make a difference for somebody? Okay, Adrian, are you willing to do that? Yeah. 
Tom, are you willing to do that? Okay, and I'm willing to put my money where my mouth is and cover your rent and your tillies for the next six months. I would like for some people, hang on, to donate some furniture, okay? So I went and toured a place. They called it the Shiloh Church. Um, I'm not from here. That means nothing to me. But it was used as clean and sober housing. It's something we were looking at a project for housing. And when I walked in, it was dark. It was gloomy. It smelled bad. It was... A prison with carpet is almost kind of what it felt like for me. And so I want to make sure – I want to test you, Adrian. I'm going to test the homeless population. I've been lied to before. One of your friends still owes me 60 bucks. P.S. Um, so I'll pay for the place, and I want you to let people come see you. I want them to talk to you. I want to come in there with my camera and ask how you're doing. And when you have a bad day, I want to record that. When you have a good day, I want to record that too. Check it out. If he's willing to not only rent me the property, I'll even give you the okay to put cameras in it. Uh, I don't want cameras. I don't want cameras. This is Colville. We want guns, not cameras, okay? So, um, I, I don't, and please don't pause for me. This is not, Adrian, I want to see what you're doing. Everybody in here wants to know what would happen if you had a chance, okay? So, I'd run with it. Well, prove it, okay? We're all going to watch. It. I'm going to post your video every week. On the Be Better Facebook page, and we're going to follow Adrian's life and see, okay, if somebody's given the ultimate gift, can they do something with it? So, Adrian, you're not only going to let me down, you let everybody in this room down if you screw this up. So, Check it out, Corey. Above everybody else, no offense to any of you, only people I'd be letting down are those in the same situation. You need to be a leader. I said you were a natural leader. I know that you are. I cannot wait to see what you do with this. And like I told you, I'd take the responsibility if, it was, if you needed it, but I didn't want it. I don't want the power. I don't want the responsibility, but I'll willingly take that responsibility because I know just like Sasha, who's 22, mind you, I deal with people who are 16 to 25 calling me mom. I've got somebody who's 37. Mind you, I'm only 31 calling me mom, asking me for advice, like I'm Sasha's therap therapist most days, her and her other ass, because I know what they, they're going through. You know, Adrian, you are the leader, okay? So you have the chance now to make a difference, not just in your life, but in your daughters and your kids and their kids, okay? So please, I'm cheering you on. I'm going to be your biggest cheerleader, and we're going to come along this journey with you. Thank you for coming up here and sharing your story. Not a problem, Corey. Okay, so elephant in the room um she said that i moved the homeless camp okay look i drive a chevy colorado it doesn't pull trailers i can assure you i didn't move a single car or rv however i may have organized something like that um it was a bad idea it ended up next to some residences and those residences just in three days have had to um i am so sorry it is terrible it's terrible okay so here is what i want to propose as a solution before we go back to community input so I am prepared to, with a group of concerned citizens, to pick up every single trailer tomorrow and get these moved to a permanent location. Now, I'm not the city attorney. I'm not the mayor. I have absolutely no power than to ask you to push, okay? Here is the water treatment plant. I don't know of a bigger piece of land owned by the city that's with, right at the city limits. I'm not sure where the best spot is, but there are gates, and that makes people in the community a little more comfortable. Some of us have been incarcerated. 
Here's what I'm thinking with our super generous commissioners is the city can volunteer a piece of land. Hope Street said they'll, they'll meet them where they're at. Rural Resources will provide services. I have enough community donations or interest in providing porta potties and dumpsters that we can go that route. Or I think that this land could be developed for a very cheap cost. We could bring in some rock, bring in some gravel, park these trailers on top of there, and that way we go back to be able to enforce our regulations on the rest of the city. Now, I am so sorry. This is close to me. It's close to the Jabays. It's close to the trips. But I think there's enough area there that it could be separated. Uh, maybe even on this road, but I think we're getting out of the city of Colville limits there, and there's a new solar installation. If you end up there, don't touch the solar panels. So that is my best solution just to study this up on the outside looking in. Parking this behind Walmart next to some families with kids is a horrible idea. And I'm sorry you had to put up with that for a couple of days. Um, it, nobody wants a homeless camp in their neighborhood. If we don't do something, they'll be in every neighborhood. They'll be on every street. We all agree that a homeless camps, that the number of homeless are going to grow as we move into the future. I, my green box does not go all the way around this. So everywhere here is city land and all the way back over. I, I couldn't draw it good. I just heard about that the other day. So there may even be some infrastructure there that could be developed. I'm not saying this is the only thing we can do, but we got to do something. So we heard from Mr. Montgomery. We're going to hear from someone else that Martin versus Boise says you got to provide a place. So, man, I don't, I don't love a homeless camp. Mr. Mayor, when you first presented this earlier in the year, it was a very unpopular idea. I was angry. My neighbors were angry. And then, you know, I woke up. A couple weeks ago, and I looked outside, and I realized we already had a homeless camp. What am I fighting? Okay, what? we already have one. It's not sanctioned. There's no services. There's no restroom. There's no dumpsters. So I know that a homeless camp in a small town of Colville, Stevens County, is not going to be a super popular idea. But, guys, we already have one. If we don't do it, we're going to have problems here. They're going to be moving in there. They're going to be moving behind me. They're going to be at the park. I mean, you're a block off the park yourself. You know, this has been in your backyard. So we've all been affected by that. It's time to do something. Uh, Mr. Mayor, council members that are still in the building, if myself and a group of concerned citizens could help you in any way of making this happen, we would. I believe there are businesses that would donate the gravel. I believe businesses would help the labor and would do whatever it took because we are a community. We do care about each other. We might not like the look of the homeless, but I'm confident just from hearing all of you tonight that you care, okay, that you care about the people, and it's no longer okay to look at the way these people are living and turn our heads the other way. So... Let's do something. So that's my best solution. Uh, I'm going to turn the mic over now to Ian Pickett and uh, take my licks. So, Corey, I really had nothing negative to say to you or about you until that last little spiel. It was, appeared really scripted, but um, I came here, I brought my family here to run away from the problem that we're seeing growing. I, I, as soon as I got here, my kids were threatened at the park, and a few of us went and cleaned that problem up. Um, I'm a believer that when you build something, they'll keep coming. And then when you can't house what you built, they'll spill out onto the streets. 
But I am also a believer in that we're not seeing the totality of the issue. And I think that a lot of us here, including myself who came here for better living, don't understand that this is a problem we have to face now. And it's not, the homelessness is not the problem. It's a symptom of the problem. The problem has been growing for years and we were banging on the local leaders and we're, we're telling the cops to do stuff, but we've leveraged our own power for so long for comfort that they no longer have power. So you're asking cops to violate people's constitutional rights. And some of you don't seem to realize, because I've heard things about roadblocks and checkpoints and rounding them up and putting them on buses, but regardless of whether you like someone or not, they have constitutional rights. And a lot of you believe those constitutional rights were bestowed upon them by your God. I believe in constitutional rights, and if you believe in constitutional rights, those apply to everybody, whether you like them or you don't. And the cops have to abide by that, the mayor has to abide by that, the city council has to abide by that. And if you're gonna preach about it, for everybody else, you have to preach about it for everyone. And I think one of the biggest problems we're seeing locally, and uh, Corey actually brought it up earlier when he said, don't let the outsiders take over. It's ironic because he admitted he's an outsider himself. I'm an outsider, but I spent eight years in the military. I have 21 years in law enforcement. I earned every damn dollar I had when I brought it here to bring my family to a better place. I brought it here because I'm an American. I don't give a shit where I'm from. And some of you can't get over that. There are no outsiders. This is a community of Americans. Some of them aren't, we don't, we don't get along with all of them. But what Corey did was exemplify part of the problem that we're seeing right now. Don't let the outsiders take over. That is part of the problem. That is part of the, of the, the social structure here that doesn't allow for us to see that this problem is in Colville. And as much as I don't want to see it, as much as I ran from it, now we have to do something about it. So I don't know what that answer is, but I know there's a, there's a middle ground bef between giving handouts and rounding people up and sending them out behind Walmart or whatever else you want to do. So we have to find that middle ground and we have to get rid of the irrational behavior and irrational suggestions and irrational decisions, including myself, and we have to find that middle ground as a community to make it work. Calling people outsiders won't work. Getting up here and doing scripted stuff in, in commercials or whatever the hell you want to call what that just was isn't going to work. So I don't know what the answer is. I'm more than happy to work with people. But I guarantee the answer starts and stops with us not treating each other like outsiders and transplants and whatever other adjective you guys come up with to describe people who dared move into your area because they're freaking Americans. I earned my right here. Everybody here has a right to be here. If somebody needs help, let's help them. They have to be willing to help themselves. I get that. Find that middle ground. That's all I can say. Enough with the commercials. Because that, that's all we're seeing here tonight is a commercial. Thank you. Thank you, Ian. All right, let's change this up a little bit. Leslie, you ready? It is your turn.
Hello, my name is Leslie Lamardo, and I live in Stevens County with my family. And uh, wow, sitting through the past couple hours, a lot's already been said that I thought maybe I could say. But here's what I really believe with my heart. We're all made in the image of God. We are all individual people. We all have had hard times. We have all had struggles that we have had to overcome. Giving mercy and compassion to people with no accountability is worthless. Finding a lot where we can just shove everyone we want to call those people and letting them to continue to do what they're doing doesn't help them. That is not helping them. Everyone who was so verbal about their rights and everything else, how many people are living in your house right now that have been on the street for the past six months? How many people have you opened your doors to? How many people have you let in your house, shoot up on your couch, go to the bathroom on your floor or whatever that the city is experiencing? You don't want it in your house and we don't want it in our city because it's not okay. There is a right and there is a wrong. And yeah, we can work together to find a solution, but we need a plan. No more talk. We need action. And the councilmen, the councilwomen and the mayor, they are paid by us. They work for us. Let's say we want a plan. We want something on paper and we want things done that make improvements or we recall you and we find someone else who will. We've listened to a lot of stories, a lot of commercials, call them what you want. The reality is a lot of people that are living on the streets are choosing to stay that way. And when they are given opportunities, they throw them back in your face. I'm not saying they don't deserve a chance or they don't deserve help, but they do have to be held accountable. So don't stick people in free houses and give them free food and not make them get a job. I mean, let's come up with some steps, but let's stop talking, let's have a meeting, and let's put it on paper, and let's do it. Let's enforce the laws that are there for the protection of everyone here. It's not okay that people can come in here and do things that we wouldn't do, but they have the freedom to do that, and we can't. We don't have the freedom to say that you can't. No, we do, enough is enough, it's not okay. It needs to be dealt with. It's not gonna be easy and it's not gonna be quick, but let's get moving on the process. And if there are people that aren't willing to work, then let's get rid of them and get someone else. Well said, Leslie. I think you represent the way a lot of us feel here. Let's hear from one of our law enforcement partners. Good evening, I'm Ben Cosby. Um, I'm a local resident, I live in Gallville. I've lived here my entire life. I'm proud to be a Stevens County resident. I've been all over the country. It's one of my favorite places to be. So I know a lot of you guys have asked, why aren't the cops doing anything? Um, I can only speak from my personal opinion. Is Danny Sanders still in here, where'd he go? No, he's, outside. he's outside. All right, so six years ago, I became a cop and uh, I met Danny. And me and him have had quite a history. But the problem is that Danny, you can't take anything from him. We've written him tickets, we've pulled him over, we've put him in jail, we've taken his cars. There's nothing else for Danny to lose, and that's the problem. If you're asking why aren't we writing Danny a ticket for peeing on the side of the road, 
because it's not going to do anything, okay? Danny's not going to lose any money from it. The courts can't get anything out of Danny anymore. And that's our biggest problem. Our jail's full. There's nowhere to take these people, okay? And as a community, from where I see it, I think one of our biggest problems is that we need to have a good solution of where these people can go to get help. And if they don't want to help, there's nothing we can do right now because we have no solution. And that's something that we're going to have to spend money on. The problem is that people are always like, why aren't we doing anything? Well, I have no idea. But once these people hit this point, where's something? So, Keon, when you're at the lowest point of your low, and I come as a law enforcement officer, and I give you a piece of paper that says, hey, you owe the county $150. What are you going to do with that piece of paper? You're going to throw it on the ground. What am I going to do? Write him a littering ticket? That doesn't do anything. So that's why one thing that everybody asks is, why is there no enforcement? Because there's no sort of recourse for us to get anything out of these people when they don't have anything. You ask, why aren't we towing their cars? Well, where are they going to go? What am I going to kick somebody out in the middle of the night, impound their RV, and be like, good luck, bro. I hope you don't freeze to death tonight. I'm not a monster. I'm not going to do that, okay? I care about people. That's why I do this. So that's something that you have to remember as far as law enforcement. We want to help. I know that from this side of this, the room, there's guys that really care about this problem. A lot of these people have seen me hundreds of times. I go every night and talk to them. But it's not going to solve the problem if we're just taking something from them with no solution. Then we're just kind of the bad guys. I don't want to be the bad guy, but I do want to help. And I'm a big fan of, hey, if you're not going to help yourself, I'm going to maybe make you get help because at some point we're going to have to because I am now responsible for you. So that's something that we really need to discuss. I know that there's a lot of talk about politicians and legal stuff, and it's all super confusing. If you really want to be part of this community, something that I never see, nobody ever comes to court. Look at the docket of a court. Show up. If you want these people to be put somewhere, come and help your officers. I've put people away where it's an empty courtroom, and I'm the only one that seems to care. Look at the next court cases that are coming up. Show up. If you want to know why your prosecutor doesn't care about these cases, because he looks at an empty room where nobody's there. And he knows that he can just run again and be voted in. And there's no personal accountability. So I spend 10, 20 hours on a case working extremely hard to have nobody sit in that courtroom. And for the prosecutor not to care, well, then I don't care. And that's the problem that we've run into in this community. Because until tonight, nobody has cared. All these cops, everybody here that works on all these resources, we go out there every night. Every night I'm out there in the middle of the street at three in the morning dealing with assaults in front of someone's house. Nobody knows about it. Nobody knows about half the stuff that goes on here because until it becomes a boiling point, nobody is concerned until it's in front of their door. So I, I like to say, we need to come up with a solution, but people just wanting us to write tickets is not a solution because there's nothing to get out of them. So until we have some sort of punishment or we come up as a community and make a decision that we're gonna hold them accountable, and most of these people aren't bad people. I've had people that I put in jail help me on the side of the road. It's all about accountability that we need to, as a community, hold them to that. So take an interest in your legal system. Look at the court cases, decide what you care about, and then be involved in it. If this was a court case right now, this would be huge, because then the prosecutor would be like, wow, I should pay attention to this criminal trespass that was on Corey's lot. People care about this. If the community cares, the legal system cares. So I would like to see more involvement from the community members in the law enforcement. If you haven't done a ride along, I know right now it's hard with COVID, do a ride along, come in and talk to your officers, ask them about case law, ask them why things aren't being done. There's a reason and they'll explain it to you and happy. I'm always happy to answer questions because before I was a cop, I had no idea about how this stuff. And then I became a cop and I was like, wow, this is a lot harder than I thought it was gonna be. So that's what I would say, get involved, 
in the community and the legal system. And we have so many things that we need to build for our facilities. Our jail is tiny. We don't have enough room. We don't have room to put hold people accountable. And that's a problem. So we need to fix that thing on the bottom before we can start towing cars and writing tickets because we have nothing to do with this people, okay? So that's where we need to go. And I know that uh, it's tough. I don't want your guys' jobs at all. So, all right, guys. Very well said. Thank you, Ben. You, you know, I heard if the community's involved, they care about it, right? We've got to show them. We can't have elections where 40% of the people show up. If, if, 40, if only 40% of the people can mail back something that's free to mail, okay, how many of those people are going to actually make a phone call to their commissioner or call their council member or call the mayor or stop by tomorrow and ask, no, ask, for, ask for change? This is what it takes. We've all been looking the other way. This is somebody else's problem. Martin versus Boise says, hey, we can't do anything about this. So get involved. That's why we're here. That's why we're talking about it tonight is to get everyone involved. Uh, switching gears again, do we have a lawyer here from the Northwest Justice Project? Okay, maybe not. Let's keep moving on down the list then. How about Mike Babbitt? Oh, here's Mike. Mike, welcome to the podium. Thank you for being here. My name is Mike Babbitt, and uh, my wife and I are fairly new to the area. We moved here uh, because our first trip over to Colville, we fell in love with the place. And uh, I can tell you what we bring here. Uh, I'm a retired police detective from Boise, Idaho. I have a bachelor's degree in criminal justice and a master's degree in police management and administration. I bring my retirement income here. Uh, I bring a good quality of life, an honest person. And what I don't bring here is shit in the parking lots and homeless trash all over the roads where we just moved here to avoid that lifestyle on the other side of the state. Um, we like it here. Uh, I can tell you that if you allow this homeless process to continue, it's only going to get worse. And when I hear um, comments about this uh, Martin versus uh, Boise, Boise City, and I, I know how this works because I worked the homeless project, the homeless projects that we had in Boise. Um, first of all, the Ninth Circuit is the most liberal court in the land. And so you could go down on Market Street in San Francisco and take a crap in front of a police officer and they're not gonna do a thing about it. So they're letting you, they're dictating what policies you're gonna have in your city, which I don't think is right. And Martin versus Boise and what you have here on the very first uh, slide that we saw about the homeless encampment is, is apples and oranges. The court said that you can't arrest a person who is going to sleep in a park. If you research those defendants, and I'm familiar with a few of them, they were drug users, drug addicts. They were in the park sleeping when they weren't supposed to be. There was the Boise Rescue Mission that had openings. There was the uh, Our Savior, um, which is another homeless shelter in downtown Boise. The Presbyterian Church has 
a homeless shelter. You have to be sober when you go there. And yes, they want to preach to you, but there are a number of resources and the homeless community chooses to do their own thing whenever they want to. And anytime the police come to talk to them about it, they become vulgar, just like the two individuals that were here earlier that said, F you. Uh, so it's apples and oranges comparison. The Ninth Circuit did not tell you that you can't not enforce your local city codes. And if you think that that's what they sent, said, I think that you, you and your city prosecutor ought to research that because it's not what it says. If you don't do something, it's only going to get worse. And, and, I'm, and I, I, I understand that people go through trauma. I've gone through trauma. My post-traumatic stress is no different than some of the other people. I see that most of them have left, but uh, your, your trauma that you suffered is no different than mine. But yet I can still be, and many of us can still be, in our societies, follow the rules, and live a productive life. Addiction, incarceration, trying to stay clean. Uh, I'm sorry, maybe, it's, maybe I'm just a little jaded, but I, I see a lot of excuses there and not a lot of responsibility. And uh, so I hope to see that, uh, that the city will allow, the city leaders will allow their police officers to go out and in that picture, there's a number of code violations and city ordinances that can be, um, you, can, you can enforce the law. And to say that it doesn't matter, well, it does matter because we have, what, two, 300 people here tonight that say it, does, say it matters. So I think, that, uh, I think that it can be handled. Uh, it's gonna take a partnership between a lot of different um, entities, but you need to do something. And I want to leave you with just six names. And if the media is here, I want you to research these names and publish what I'm talking about because I'm very intimate with these cases. Eric Virgil Hall versus Len Henneman. Len Henneman was a flight attendant for, for American Airlines from New York. She was staying at the Boise Riverside in the jurisdiction in the area that I was working. She was bound, raped, and killed by a homeless man in downtown Boise, Idaho. Gerald Payne and Samantha Mayer. She was walking home from church. She had her Bible in her hand. She's 22 years old. She was bound, raped, and killed by Gerald Payne. Patrick Zacharias. Same thing, Caitlin and Jackson a jogger that was running the Boise foothills that was captured, bound, raped, and killed by a homeless man in Boise, Idaho. Am I painting with a broad brush? Maybe. But if you ask all three of these girls, parents, did we do the, did we do the right thing? Were we effectively trying to help our homeless situation? Those parents are going to tell you no. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. So just those to show you some a little bit of caution is still involved. So guys, it is 8.30. I notice our crowd is thinning, but I still want to give everybody a chance to speak that wants to speak. Come on forward. I've got four people, five people left on my list plus one. Come on up. If you want to speak, I want you to come sit next to our handsome mayor in this front row right here. 
Oh, okay, it's, it's this one. I know y'all are confused when I said handsome. So, uh, so uh, Bridget Lamson, can I have you come up and be the next speaker, Bridget? And then everybody else will line up in your chairs if you want to speak. Aaron, if you want to get up here. John Smith, you want to stage. Tori and VG. Oh, okay. You know who it is. Oh, I got it. Okay, so Bridget, oh, are you going to let him go first? You're right. All right, whatever. Tell us your name. I, Lisa, thank you so much for being here. Sorry for any problems that we've caused you. Let's work together for a solution. Thank you. Uh, oh. No, I absolutely. I... I'm incredibly angry with you because you knowingly put me in the position. You called me Friday and you asked me to come here and speak. You came here and you asked me to come here and speak because I am one of the co-writers of the uh, county homeless plan. I have been involved with the county and writing the homeless plan and been on the homeless task force since 2010. I have had experience with homeless and myself, I have been in a situation where I flew, was fleeing domestic violence and I was raped and I was homeless as a result because of my shame and a lot of guilt and everything else that goes along with being raped. You called me Friday and you asked me to come here and speak. You then in turn facilitated a move that really endangered those homeless individuals. And you put me in a position where I have to defend the homeless people because I am on that committee and I fully believe in them and support them. There are many different levels of homeless and there's a lot of people here that you don't see. There's a lot of people here that are served within our communities that you don't see and that you don't know about. And when you're talking about homeless, you're talking about a select few that are visible and are offensive to you and your lifestyle and shame on you. You put me in the position as I am the director of Habitat for Humanity. He placed those individuals across from Habitat and our Habitat homeowners. So as the director, I need to protect those families. Those families who had no other opportunity to become homeowners than to work their butts off and put in sweat equity and go through financial counseling and do all kinds of hard work. And it took at least two years for them to build their home before they were able to move into their home and become homeowners who pay a mortgage and contribute to the local tax base. No. No, absolutely not. And I am advocating for both. And that's why I am so angry with Corey, because he knowingly put me in that position. I have to advocate for both. No, their home is not more important than yours. None of your homes are more important than theirs and vice versa. This is an issue that we all have to deal with. The 10 year plan for ending homelessness has been revised multiple times. The first year that we did it, not all the commissioners signed off on it. Is it, a, is it a golden goose? No, 
Does it have all of the answers? Absolutely not. Does it have a budget? Does it have all of the moving parts that you would expect a plan to have? Absolutely not. It is vastly written for the entire county to provide guidance for people, for organizations, and I belong to a lot of them, to get together to come up with plans to deal with different legs of homelessness to address it. We had, we served 50 people through Red Cross this last year. 50 people who lost their homes due to fire. About a third of the people who have lost their homes due to fire come to us for assistance. One third, and we served 50. We don't see those. You guys aren't angry with them, but they're served and they're people too. Everybody here is a person too. Lisa's totally right. I'm an immature. I made some mistakes. I'm sorry. I took the bold moves to try to get as many people here as I possibly could and let you know this is important. Lisa's absolutely right, though. I am so sorry. I'm going to put this mic down and turn this over to you. I know in life you cannot please everyone. I'm with a stranger. I driving from job and I see parking lot and a lot of people here so I curious. So I step through that door and I see a lot of good people who wanna help and find solution. And the Bible say if house divide it's full. So how we can help anybody if we divide ourselves? So to bring good solution in your heart, it's a good. But if we judged each other or came here to for glory and say, God no split glory. I from Estonia, small, small country. Six hours you can drive and cross. We don't have popular people, no movie actors, and no sport people. We have nobody. Small country. But I love that country. And I love America. I come here. When I come here, I tell everybody, if they give me a place near to the fence, I will build a roof, and I start from there. And I did. I did like that. I came to Snohomish. I like garage sales, they cheap. So I drive in and we hungry and I see on the sidewalk apples go to the road because tree near to the sidewalk. So I stop and we eat apples on somebody's driveway and house burn out. Somebody blocked me behind and I scare. As soon as he blocked behind my car, I cannot drive away. I'm scared and he come and he tell them, what are you doing here? He told me, nice fellow. I say, eat apples. And he said, that it's yours apples. I say, no. 
And he said, then why you doing it? I said, I'm hungry. He go to the car and write something. I pray and say, God, no, no. I say, keep go, please. Sorry, I <laughs> have a beer, but I cry too. He gave me a business card. <clears throat> His name is John. His wife is President High Power in America. President of High Power in America. And they live in Bellevue. <clears throat> it's happened in Snohomish. And he came and gave me a card and he told me, you know, I like you. All these apples is yours. And anybody stop you, show him my card. And he left. I kind of stay long time there, not feel good. And same time, I feel very good. I want to prove to that stranger guy, so I'm good. And he already left. So I go home, bring with Dieter, cut grass on his property. He buy property for investment. So I cut grass, uh, pruned his trees. I never see them. I start to visit that property and take care of it. And finally, one time he show up and he said, whoa, you done here a lot. You pruned trees, cut grass. Uh, why are you doing that? I say, oh, you treat me good. You give me apples. We become friends. I learned, I not know much, but I learned when you bound yourself to God. Solo. Everything you whisper, but he is here. No need scream. And everything suddenly become good. You're not looking to be blessed. You're looking to bless somebody. Then suddenly somehow you look around and you're in the right spot and everything starts better. For you, when you broke and have nothing, you help somebody and you enjoy, you start to enjoy of it. Jesus said, who sacrificed with me will live with me. No blessing without sacrifice. So, I, who I am, I'm nobody. But I thank God for you, for all of you, because you come here not for yourself, for somebody. But I tell you true, they robbed me, homeless. I come here to Colville, I don't have money, I have 20 bucks. I take shower in that hotel, that fellow been here. How he, there's hotel, $6, you pay in the shower. He sold me property, he gave me job for some, what do you call them? Danny, what's his name? Danny. Danny, yeah. <clears throat> he treated me good, I 
meet him and I meet Tate, maybe somebody knows Tate, they treat me wonderful. I meet a lot of people here. I bought house behind Sun Rental. It's been condemned by city. But I have a 20 bucks when I come here. And I bought it and I dig sur to the alley. It's a long distance. The city came and said, what are you doing? I say, I need sur. So they dig sur for me, dig sur for me, and help me to hook up, hook up my water, and I scream hallelujah, I have a water. Not in the house, speak it near to dry, uh, sidewalk. And it gave me so much joy. And I thank God for light. If you look in my door, light outside right to my front door. In the house, been that time, no light. So I say, God's so good, even that pole he pulled in the front. So in the evening, we have a light inside. So we all go through the troubles. We've been good and bragging about our success, and we've been down and screaming God for help. All of us, but I tell you the truth, so a drug, it's a bad. Homeless, it's different circumstance. And I know one people drop and make dirty city and all that. And they no help. I invite homeless, they put underwear in my toilet and flush. And I try help, it's never work. I tell you truth from my heart. Never work. I want to kiss them, hug, and it's not work. But God loves them. God loves them and he died for them and for me. And I remember people who's changed. Very few. One person I pick up in the park, he's now in Air Force. He used to live with me and spend every penny in the bar. And I tell them, John, if you have son and you pay all bills, and he spent every penny in the bar, you'd be happy. And he say, no. I say, you're not my son. So he pick up everything, walk away, walk away. And later he called now, he in Air Force, and he really happy, boy. So God changed people. God choose when you truly bound to him. And that's not church. It's your relationship with God. Every that homeless person. If he find God, he find answer. VG, I just have to say that you are one of the best neighbors we've ever had in our life, Brandon and I. And we thank you so much for your your story. Yeah. But we got to move to the next person. Yeah. I. And you've done yeah. stuff for us when we lived next to you. And we, we love you. I love you all. And I just... Uh, <laughs> God bless. Thank you so much. If I can help, I uh, do construction. I'm not the best. <laughs> but if you need help, I come free okay. and help. I offer what I can. I can help. I can build tiny house, poor foundation. Uh, the sewer, whatever you want. I have a dump truck. 
Who wants to take VG up on those free offers? Tom Carpenter, are you hearing this? Yeah. Offering free work. VG, thank you so much for being here, being part of it. Okay, I am sorry. It is getting late. Our crowd is dwindling. We're losing our power. I'm going to enforce a hard three-minute timer from here on out. We have four speakers remaining, and then we're going to give somebody else a chance to speak, too. So, Bridget, the floor is yours. Hello, my name is Bridget Lampson, and I'm going to make this quick. Most people have covered most everything I was going to say anyway. We, this is a global problem. It is not going to go away. There is laws in place that are for the homeless. There are laws in place to make us do our civil duties. We have obligations in our community for each other. We have the tools, we have what we need to come together and bring it together. My, my experience in the last 40 years of living in this community has not been a very good one. I have suffered for 20 years by the hands of the authorities. I'm not going to be poking fingers or anything, but I have lost six grandchildren for no reason. My son was convicted of a crime he did not commit and was sentenced and has left him without his children because of that sentencing. This community has terrorize many people in their community and it's not okay. But I'm not gonna hold anybody accountable for what they did to me. I went through those and th that brought marrow to my bones and strength within me to do what I have to do now. And what we have to do is come together and build a community that we are. My family brought me here when I was 10. I was angry because they took me away from my life. But I grew to love this place, no matter how bad it knocked me down. My family is a prominent, they, they own businesses here. But nonetheless, I have to be able to be the one that's going to pull myself out of situations that I'm in. But the burdens that have been placed upon us through actions within our community and monies being withheld and time and space being withheld has all kind of got us where we're at right now. It's all of our problem. We are all one and it's not gonna go anywhere. Coming together under one roof, under one nation, that's what we need to do. That's what my grandfather fought in the war for. That's what he stood for. He died just 2018. 2019, the city threatened me so badly with my beliefs through, through their attempts to clean up our park that set me into a place where I don't ever wanna go again. And it set me in a place to put me up to the challenge to step up and do for you, for all of us together, what we're supposed to do. And that is take care of ourselves, each other, us, all of us. We need to build the grassroots that, that, that we know we have. We need to find the love with inside of us to, to get over the things that we, that, the, the differences we have and grow together in our differences. I am willing to stand up beside, behind every person that told me to stand up and do something. If I wasn't doing something about it, to stand up and do it, I'm standing up to do it. Come and join me. Ian Pickett, I, he left. He was one of the ones that said, hey, do something, put your mouth, you know, do something. I'm trying to do something. Let's do something. Let's build our community out of love. 
Let's do our civil duties. Let's be there for each other. I love you. Thank you, Bridget. Appreciate you sharing your story. Who's going to be up next? Aaron, is that you? It's a cute sweater you got on. If only I have the ginger hair to go with it. <laughs> All right, um, I'm a disabled, high-functioning autistic submarine veteran. I am a, uh, a steward of Timberland, and I am a stand-up philosopher. Um, I think a lot of our problem isn't actually the, that we need more establishmentarianism, because a lot of this is a failure of the establishment. And what we tend to do is we tend to reward failures of establishment with more money and more lease to have more establishment. It's a never-ending cycle that doesn't help. Uh, right now, a, a single person, uh, say a, a, gen, uh, a generous Gentile like yourself who's, who just uh, offered to pony up six months of rent, cannot actually help most of these people with their land because the health department stands in the way and says, you need a $10,000 uh, septic system at minimal, and you need a $30,000 well drilled, and it's going to take at least a year for this to happen. Now. If I were one of these landowners who owned hundreds and hundreds of acres and I just had a bunch of it felled by Wagen, I wouldn't have any problem saying, hey, you guys can steward this area, just do a community stewardship. Nobody has to necessarily particularly do a lot, but you guys can go ahead and live your Walden uh, lifestyle just like Thoreau wrote, because quite frankly, this is America and that, that, that's how things were meant to be. Me personally, we don't have anyone from the health department here, do we? <laughs> Okay, as a landowner, I am using, uh, using what rights I believe that I have earned through my service, and uh, I am living on my land off the grid. All of us off-gridders are lawbreakers, all of us, because we aren't willing to live on a grid where we are enforced by the health department to buy products that we don't need. Um, composting toilets have existed for a very long time now. Our health department ex allows exactly two manufacturers to sell their product in this state. And you have to go through a whole process to promise that you know how to handle a, a very, very simple device that just composts your turds. Um, not only that, but even if you have this setup, they require that you have, once again, a septic system for the mere act of taking your whiz from the bottle that comes with it and pouring it down there instead of digging a hole in your yard and pouring it there like every human has done for tens of thousands of years. Um, we live in a time in a day and an age where a property owner has the right to basically freeze on his property. Unless you're willing to pony up money that you might not have, you have the right to freeze on your property. But if you do the basic human thing that we've been doing since the dawn of our existence, and you put four walls up and you give yourself a roof to increase your odds of survival, now you're against the law because you didn't buy a product. I think the, the answer is not more establishment. It's a little disestablishmentarianism. We just need to back off and let people live a third world life if that's what's actually gonna allow them to survive because a third world living is a lot better than what they got in Seattle. Thank you, Aaron, I appreciate it. Hey, quick update. I just got a text message from a business owner that was in the room that said that uh, Adrian goes and passes the P test. She has a job next week too. So maybe we're gonna see if something happens there. That's exciting. All right, who's next? Tell us your name, I don't know you. I know, that's, my name is Tori. Hi Tori. Hello, I moved to this area probably about a little over two years ago. I have been all across this country. Homelessness is not a new issue. In fact, over a half a million people experience homelessness in this country. 
So the thing about it is I was homeless. I was addicted to drugs. I was a lot of that stuff. If you help yourself though, people will be more willing to help you. And I think that's a lot of what's happening here is from the outside looking in, it's not looking like you're the homeless population currently is helping yourselves. And there's a labor shortage, so jobs should not be an issue when every place is hiring. If this area is not working for you, there are multiple towns in this county. It's homelessness is a multifaceted issue. It is not just one thing or the other. It's not just mental health. It's not just substance abuse. It's not just being a shitty person. It is desperation, hopelessness. But as many people have pointed out, it falls to accountability as well. It is difficult to see because honestly this is not the worst homeless problem i have i have seen i've lived in many cities where in fact i i consider this glamping this is not you know what it could be i have uh, lived behind an ihop on the ground you know i I worked very hard to get out of the situation I am in. And as you said, it, the authoritarianism, I suppose, of permits and things like that do get into the way. That is actually a really good point. And I do believe, like I have seen so many people in this community, just because I, I don't get involved very often, I like to watch who have helped people because they went out of their way to show that they wanted that help. Not necessarily, everybody can come up here and tell a very great story about how it's this, that, and the third. Half the time it's not the case. So all in all, I do believe as a community, we could probably get this sorted out. Honestly, that's all I have to say. Sorry, I'm not a public speaker. <laughs> okay, we got two people left. Are we going to close with Mr. Smith? That'll be perfect. Who's going next? I'm Bonnie. I'm one of the Habitat owners. I am not very happy with, with the people, individuals that are parked right across from my home. They are putting our children in danger, especially if there's someone on there who is stuck defender. They shouldn't be around children. And number two, I have worked really hard to put my time and effort into this home so we can call a place a home. Before we moved into the Habitat home, we have lived in a very moldy home for nine years. We were sick all the time and we were getting to be very close to be evicted. But with the help of the Habitat, I was able to get, put my time and effort and with God's blessing, we were living in the Habitat home for five years. But with the weekend uh, crisis problem that had arised, 
there's been a lot of police reports been called, and there's been a lot of noises that was going on over there, and there was a lot of drinking and screaming. I would like to have our community be back to peaceful, not with all the noises, and just back to peaceful. And also, I want to also come up with solutions. Why not? I did some research online. There's 65 land out in Colville. Why not go out there and buy a couple of land, set up tiny homes, set up bathroom, laundry room, and shower for them. Also, set up some help center. Help center would be like for anything, counseling or instead of donating. So why not we just have people go out and buy land and set up tiny homes, set up tiny homes for people who are disabled or people who have wheelchair, have something accessible for them. Have them have a home to call home because right now winter is coming. Is there any hope for these individuals to live by fear and all these threats that we have to deal with? So that's my solution is ask you guys find property and build tiny home, build bathroom, showers, and water, then we can have problems solved there. Thank you very much. The great ideas. Would anybody else like to speak? Okay. So I am a mom of four and my husband works nights and I live in one of the habitat houses. So to like go to dinner and then come home on Saturday and have drunk people fighting and people racing up and down my driveway where my kids should be able to ride their bikes. Please don't pawn these people off on just another family, another situation, because that was really hard. We haven't slept since they've been there because we're mortified of what we might wake up to. Who's going to show up on our door? Who's finding out there what they're dropping? Like, it's awful to be have people like this pawned off on you, and you had I had no warning. I couldn't do anything to try to help my kids understand that. They are sick and they need help, but we can't help them because my first priority is my children and that's it. Like I have to keep my children safe and they're not safe with those people that close to my home. I'm home alone with four kids when my husband works nights and I don't feel safe in my own home. Thank you very much. Okay, so we've heard a lot of stories tonight. We've heard some solutions. We've heard how we got here. We know that the homeless problem is very complex. There's a generational problem of mental health and um, alcohol abuse, drug abuse that we cannot address overnight. There's a housing crisis that we cannot build houses overnight. But I implore you to, what can you do, okay? I think everybody in here's heart hopefully softened just a little bit tonight and that you can show a little more compassion to your fellow people. Uh, I, I know mine has. So uh, what can you do? What's the next step? I wish I had your picture. <laughs> so I grabbed this off the city website. Okay, These are your current council members. This makeup is changing at the end of the year. But as the homeless plan said, this requires immediate, urgent action. So please call Write, reach out to your council members and ask for immediate action. This requires immediate and bold action for something to get done. I don't have all the answers. I absolutely haven't handled this the right way, but 
I know that we're all here because we're concerned and we want better for our community. So this is what you can do. There's no magic wand, but you can reach out to these guys who said, hey, we want to represent you and help make decisions. Um, it was not my intention to offend any law enforcement commissioners, council members, or the mayor tonight. If it came across that way, I'm so sorry. Um, I truly respect. We, we believe in the blue around here. Okay, We believe in blue. Um, I know you don't have easy jobs, and these are hard problems, but please make a hard decision, and let's get this – let's move forward with the solution immediately. Uh, once again, I volunteer my services to you, Mr. Mayor, uh, me and a concerned group of gentlemen who can help you in any way that you ask. If you want me to go get donations, beat somebody to give us rock, help move trailers, I, I will beat on those doors and help you accomplish your mission. So let me know how I can help you. Okay. Hey, how about this? Raise your hand if you're willing to help be part of the solution. Mark. You're in the front of the room. <laughs> so look, guys, we all want to be part of the solution. There's not great answers. The best, the best proposal you heard from me was to find a way to move these individuals to the water treatment plant, and that might be an option. Um, you're, I'm done. This is the last you're going to hear from me tonight. Thank you for putting up with me for three hours. I'm so sorry it went long, but obviously this community cares. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, we do care. There's one solution you haven't talked about, and that is my, first of all, my name is Muriel Meyer. I was born in Colville, raised in Curlew, so I'm very countryfied. Let's just put it that way. And I appreciate you saying that Colville has better hospitality or as good a hospitality as, um, what is it, South Carolina or wherever you're from? That's awesome. But here's the solution that I would like to offer anyone in this room. I um, work, I'm, I'm, maybe I shouldn't mention this, they might kick me out. I'm a board member of Hope Street and um, I care about people. I was a manager at an apartment complex for HUD housing, and one of the things that would happen every single winter, it was for people who had chronic mental illness, and every single winter, there would be additional people there that were homeless. And I did not have the heart to kick them out. I just couldn't. And um, that wasn't, I mean, that wasn't politically correct, but anyway, whatever. So. The solution that I came up with is um, I purchased a house, I had a basement, and I invited a homeless person to live in my basement. Then, the, after a couple of years, um, this particular person I became friends with and we, whatever, but he is now upstairs in the room and I have a different homeless person in my basement. So. One of the solutions is to make friends with people. And if you have a spare room in your garage, if you have a, a, any, any little section of anything, especially because we need an immediate solution, that would be taking one person off the street. Now, you get to vet them. You get to meet them. You get to choose. But open your home and let somebody come and stay warm. That's all I have to say. Okay. 
it's right there. Yeah. I told Corey two minutes. You've heard from a lot of really important people, but there's one thing that I haven't heard from the front that needs to be said. Is that little lady over here with her four kids is actually the answer to homelessness. Kim Gallo putting the, the safety of her family as the number one priority in her life, that is the end of homelessness. Now, it won't happen overnight. It'll take a generation, but that's how you fix it. And in fact, uh, that Bible, the, the same preacher that suggested the, the whole story of the Good Samaritan also said that those of us who don't provide for those our own, and specifically those of our own house, that we've denied the faith faith and we're worse than an infidel so those there's another group of those people that often get shamed in this community and that's those who are setting their family safety and security as a priority and somebody needs to say that you guys are the good guys now that doesn't mean that we shouldn't show compassion to those who are aren't as well off as we are because i moved here in 1990 as a homeless teen escaping domestic violence. I get it. I understand what the trauma feels like. I understand what the hardship is like. I understand what it's like to move into a community and feel judged. Well, those good people are feeling judged too. So the solutions that we use moving forward need to not shame them while at the same time we're providing solutions for, for people who need a hand up and sometimes a foot in the butt. So thank you.